Good morning. Oh, come on. I mean, Curtis was meant to bring us to the presence of the Lord. That doesn't mean you fall asleep, all right? Let's try that again. Good morning. I like it. Uh, welcome to New City Church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt Macis, and I'm privileged to serve on the teaching team here at New City. And you've uh, come at a good time right in the middle of a series called What Does Jesus Mean? Or What Did Jesus Mean? And it's a series that's centering on the Sermon on the Mount. Which the Sermon on the Mount is the best sermon that was ever preached by King Jesus. And he's talking about the true nature of Messiah's people. So we as followers of Jesus, what does it mean to follow him in this life that we find ourselves in? What, do, what constitutes normal Christianity? That's where we're at. Today we're going to turn our attention to a passage in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to go ahead and turn there. Um, the book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. It's 27 books. And in the New Testament, we are introduced to the life and ministry of Jesus. And in that, he shows us what it means to follow him, or what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian, and then what flows out of the result of this life that we live with Jesus. We learn about the early church and how it's birthed, but it all finds its foundation with the life and ministry of Jesus. And so that's where we are in Matthew chapter 5. And here today, we're going to talk about something that's really Difficult. I want to tell you that it's, there's a lot of content today, so we're going to be moving very quickly. And I want to also say that everything I say isn't the total definitive word on this passage. Amen? There's a lot more in this passage that we don't, we just don't have time to get to today. So that means that you need to spend some time on your own um, studying what it is that Jesus is telling us here in Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to be talking about normal Christianity um, today, so let me let me ask you: Have you ever had a week where things didn't quite go your way? Yes, every. So who said every week? Amen, brother. Right? Every, his wife just hit him. I don't know what's going on there. Um, every week, right? If we're honest, we'll we'll all say that every week something doesn't go our way. If you live with humans, things aren't always going to go your way. The truth is, even if you just live with yourself, things aren't always going to go your way. And so when that happens, what do, we, what do we do with that? What do we do with life when it doesn't go our way? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, we, we read about that. We, we read about what, what do we do with life when somebody hurts us? What do we do when we're hurt by people? What do we do when we're embarrassed? What do we do when we're taken advantage of? Now, if we're honest, most of the time when we're hurt, when we're embarrassed, when we're taken advantage of, what are our first thoughts about? Payback, right? How do I get back at this person? Students, if you're here and someone cuts you down verbally with their words, makes you feel small with their words, what's your first thought? How can I pay him back? Man, they said this to me. What can I say to them that's going to make them feel smaller than me? Neighbor, those of you who have neighbors, when your neighbor parks in front of your house, you know, and you're peeking out the window, like, oh! I can't believe they parked in front of their house, in my house. What am I? Well, your first thought, well, I'm just going to let my dog go ahead and, you know, go next door when he wants to. I'm not going to keep him from doing that. You're looking how, how you can pay him back for that supposed offense that you had. Well, when we read the words of Jesus, he shows us a different way to fight. See, friends, normal Christianity is learning to fight like Jesus. Normal Christianity is learning to fight like Jesus. So how did Jesus fight? Well, we hear about it in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. Listen to what it says. You have heard that it was said. Now, when Jesus says that, 
he's quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from the book of, of law that was given to Moses to show God's people how they were to live. And so he's saying and affirming, listen, you've heard that this is how you're to live your life, and you should live your life that way, but I'm taking it a step further. I'm not going to let you off the hook as easily. So Jesus begins, he says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we'll talk about what that actually means in a minute. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, which was incredibly offensive, if you were to be slapped on your right cheek, that meant that somebody backhanded you, which they meant to insult you by slapping you with the back of their hand. So Jesus says if someone slaps you with the back of their hand to insult you, you turn the other cheek to them. So then their only choice is to hit you with a punch. So when someone insults you, he says, I want you to invite to move them to injury of you. And we'll talk about why he would say that in a second. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And as for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Let's pray. God, we, we want to say this morning that these are hard words for us to understand. We don't know always how we're to respond when we're injured, when we're hurt. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would give us um, truth today. And that it wouldn't just be information, but that it would be transformation for us. That we'd be a different kind of people when we leave than when we came because you're a different kind of God and you call us to a different way of life. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Again, church, my purpose in preaching to you this morning is so that you'll learn or remember that normal Christianity is learning to fight like Jesus. Why is that important? Well, again, if you've lived life long enough, someone will hurt you. Usually, if you're hurt by someone, it's someone that you care very much about. That's why it hurts so bad. And when you hurt other people, it's typically people that you care about. But there are other times when we're hurt by others. We're hurt financially by other people. We feel taken advantage of. We feel like someone sold us a raw bag of goods. Maybe you've been, the, you've, you've been the victim of some kind of scheme financially, and you feel hurt, and you feel like injustice occurred. And if that's happened to you, your first, your first response is, how do I get this person back? How do I get payback? But if you've lived for long enough, you'll know that payback doesn't actually pay, does it? Because if you seek revenge against somebody, you don't just want an equal measure Right? You want to make them feel a little bit worse than they made you feel. So if those of you who have children, you know what this is like, right? You've seen this, right? Or maybe you do. This doesn't happen in my house. But maybe this happened in your house where you'll hear your kids are in the back, right? And then you hear some words starting to be exchanged a little bit, right? And then you hear it get a little bit louder. And then it gets quiet for a second. And then you hear some kind of catastrophe happen. And then we hear yelling. And you hear some more Violence occur, and then they both run to you. Both offending parties run to you, stating their case as the arbitrator about who's really at fault, right? And it always is an escalating kind of way. That's why payback doesn't pay, because you end up in this cycle externally of injury, right? Where you're feeling worse and worse and getting feel worse and worse until something catastrophic happens. But more than what happens to you externally when you like this, live life like this, what happens to you internally, what kind of person do you have to be to live your life consumed with revenge and retribution? Angry. That's right. And if you live your life like that, eventually it will consume you and you'll end up far away from the person that God would 
want you to be and live, end up far away from living the life that God would want you to live. So a couple questions for you to consider as we move through the message. Number one, how do I normally respond when someone hurts me? How do I normally respond when somebody hurts me? When you're hurt by someone, how do you respond? Secondly, you know, every time I teach, I'm just going to ask you about idols, right? So what are you making an idol out of? I'm going to give you the answer. Typically in this passage, you're either going to be making an idol out of entitlement, feeling like you deserve something, right? Or an idol out of power. Because when we seek, when we seek retribution against somebody, when we seek revenge, that's really an idol of power, isn't it? Because we want to make that person feel small, And when we cut them down, we bring them to a level lower than ours, it makes us feel powerful. We feel puffed up. And so typically in this passage, we're dealing with idols of entitlement. And those usually start with things like, I deserve. When we say things, I deserve, that's an an idol of entitlement that we're dealing with. Or when we're dealing with an idol of revenge or power, it begins with, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. So... Today we're going to talk about fighting like Jesus, and we'll see three things. We'll see what Jesus is saying, we'll see what Jesus means, and then finally, what what are we going to do about it? Man, we got a lot to get to, so we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Look what Jesus says in in verse 38 of Matthew 5. He says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, what Jesus is doing here, he's reminding us of something that God gave to his people Israel in the Old Testament called um, lex talionis in Latin, or eye for an eye, and you may have heard that. But what did, what did God actually tell his people? Well, there are two, tell his people. There are two primary passages I just want to read for you really quickly. I'll give them to you so you can study them on your own when you want. But the first is in Exodus chapter 21. And listen to what, what God tells his people here in the Old Testament about this. Verse 12 of Exodus 21, when God is giving his law, he says this, Whoever strikes a person so that he dies... Oh, let me... Let me go somewhere else. Ah, this is what I want. Here we go. Exodus 20, 21, beginning in verse 22. When men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born premature. Now, I don't know what's going on. This is like an episode of live PD, right? <laughs> Why are there two men fighting around a pregnant woman, right? All you need to know is people always been messed up, okay? That's not a new thing. People always been messed up. So there's these two men, and somehow there's a pregnant woman in their presence. Why are they fighting around her? I don't know. But in verse 22 of Exodus 21, when men get in a fight and they hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fine, as the woman's husband demands from him, and he must pay according to judicial assessment. But if there is an injury, then you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. When a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he must let the slave go free in compensation for his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go free in compensation for the tooth. Okay, so that's the first passage. The second passage is in Leviticus, and this is what it says in Leviticus 24, beginning in verse 17. If a man kills anyone, he must be put to death. Whoever kills an animal is to make restitution for it, life for life. If any man inflicts a permanent injury on his neighbor, whatever he has done is to be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he inflicted on the person, the same is to be inflicted on him. Whoever kills an animal is to make restitution for it. Whoever kills a person is to be put to death. You are to have the same law for the foreign resident and the native. Because I am the Lord your God. 
So, what is, what is God saying to us there? We need to get that right before we get right what Jesus is saying. First, he's telling us that this law, eye for an eye, is not to be prescriptive, but restrictive. This was not prescriptive, but restrictive. This was meant to restrict the amount of retribution that was possible for the offense that occurred. Do you see that? So, if someone comes and they injures you, you're not to seek an injury that's greater than the injury that was inflicted upon you. Do you see that? This was to ensure that the violence didn't keep increasing when an offense occurred to the point that somebody died for it. That's the first thing that you see. Secondly, you need to see that this judgment wasn't to be done or decided upon by the person that was injured. So if you were the one that was injured, if you were the one that was taken advantage of, you don't get to decide what the retribution is to the one who injured you or took advantage of you. You're to take that to the judge or the one that was appointed in order to, to, to deal with that stuff in your, in your community. Do you see that? So this isn't for the person. This is for the community. And this isn't meant to be prescriptive but restrictive. So when someone quotes to you out of context, well, you know, an eye for an eye, you need to remind them, listen, that's not for you to decide. That's for somebody else that's in a better position to arbitrate that than you. Secondly, I want you to pay attention to how revolutionary this was and how it dealt with people that were considered of a lower class or people that others thought were less in society. This was revolutionary in its protection of women and the unborn. Do you notice in the the Exodus passage how it said, hey, if there are two people fighting and and someone causes violence or injury to happen to an unborn person, and and, and we find out that the injury to the unborn was because of this this confrontation that happened, that the, the person who's living is held responsible for the action that was perpetrated against the unborn. Guys, you need to remember that God cared about the unborn thousands of years ago, and he cares about the unborn today. And he requires justice for those that were unborn. Secondly, look how revolutionary this was for women. Women aren't treated any differently as far as justice is concerned in the Old Testament. They are of equal worth and value. Same thing for those who were considered slaves. Now, when the Bible speaks about slavery, it just describes what happened. It doesn't prescribe slavery. It just describes the situation. But look how revolutionary this was for those that were slaves in that culture. If a slave is injured... Retribution is is required for that. It didn't treat the slave as a lower class of citizen. It says, listen, that person among you who is a slave, they're made in the image of God. And because they're made in the image of God, justice is required for them. The same thing for the immigrant. Did you notice how in 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 the Leviticus passage it said, listen, the law is the same for the foreign person as it is for the resident of your country. Nothing is different there. And guys, if God cared about the foreign resident thousands of years ago, he cares about the foreign resident today. And justice is the same regardless. This was incredibly revolutionary. So we have to start with that from the beginning. To know that in the Old Testament, God spoke about justice for everyone, regardless of tribe, tongue, or nation, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of if they were men or women, regardless if they were unborn or not. Justice was incredibly important. So that's the foundation that Jesus starts from here. So Jesus starts from the place of saying, hey, I want to remind you of God's universal law of justice here. An eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. He says, you've you've heard that. So then what does Jesus actually tell us? He takes it much deeper and he extends the command further and asks us to lean deeper into him. So more than simply not going beyond what happens to you, Jesus says this, I want you as a reflection of me in this kingdom, 
to not retaliate. As a reflection of me in this kingdom, Jesus says, I want you to not retaliate. And I want you to learn to overwhelm with submission and grace instead. Can we just stop for a minute and say how hard that is? We can acknowledge that. I invite you to acknowledge that today, to say, wait a minute, Jesus, I don't like that. What about when bad things happen? What about when injustice occurs? Am I just supposed to stand by and let injustice happen around me? Listen, I, I don't want you, I don't want, I want you to hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. You're just saying, am I supposed to stand by while someone's taking advantage of? No, we don't stand by and allow evil to unfold in our presence. We don't, we don't do that because we're, we're judged for our sins of commission, the things that we actively and willfully do, and we're also judged for our sins of omission, the things that we don't do. So when we see injustice occurring, when we, where we're supposed to look after orphans and widows and those in distress and to keep ourselves unstained by the world, so when we see orphans and widows in distress and we don't do something... That's a sin of omission. And when you see someone being taken advantage of, and we don't do something, we don't cry out about that, that's a sin of omission. So this doesn't give you the freedom if you see an old lady being accosted on the street, just a standard like, well, she's just suffering for Jesus. I don't want to get in the way of that. I'm just going to let her be mugged. I'm going to let someone take her because this is just part of her sanctification. No, we don't, we don't do that. All right. And listen, this also isn't a treatise about being involved in the military. This doesn't mean we have to be pacifists because God gives us a whole explanation of the role of government in Romans chapter 8. So that's not the point of this passage. You can, you can serve in the military, you can support our military, and still follow the commands of Jesus here in this passage. So don't hear that. So what does this mean though? If we're honest, most of the time though, our problem with what Jesus is saying here has little to do with little old ladies being mugged or military activity. If we're being honest, we have a problem with what Jesus is saying because our hearts like revenge. Our hearts like revenge. We want to see someone get their just desserts. And if we're honest, our rebel hearts are most often after revenge. And we like to watch the people that wronged us suffer. Can you be honest and and say that? Like you like to watch people that committed wrong against you, you like to watch them suffer. Why? Well... As I said, we're after revenge because it gives us a sense of power. That's what we like about revenge. When we perpetrate revenge upon someone who wronged us, we feel powerful. We feel in control at that point. And that's why the words here of Jesus are so subversive. When we're prompted to seek authority and power over someone with an act of revenge in the name of justice, Jesus tells us to pursue ultimate justice with Him instead. Listen to me, friend. If you're here and you feel taken advantage of, you feel angry, you feel like somebody has hurt you and wronged you, and maybe rightfully so you feel those things. I'm not here to argue with you that maybe you, you, you feel like you've been wronged and rightfully so someone has wronged you and there's no question about it. I'm asking you to take that desire you have for revenge and retribution to take that to Jesus instead. I'm going, to, I'm going to say this again a little bit later, but I want to tell you right now. Why do you do that? Because Jesus loves justice more than you do. And His way of dealing with justice is better than your way of dealing with justice. Because He dealt, he dealt with it ultimately and once for all. So when you feel angry and upset and frustrated, take your anger and frustration to Jesus. 
and say, God, I feel like I've been passed over. I feel like I'm, I'm frustrated with this person. They hurt me. And nobody, nobody cares about that. I want you to know that God sees you. I want you to know that He sees your desire for justice. And that He'll, he'll deal with that. He'll deal with that. So Jesus tells us here to turn, turn the other cheek. And what He's telling us here, as I said earlier, is He's, he's telling you to allow the person that's insulting you to go from insult to injury. He's telling you to allow that person to go from insult to injury. And why would, he, why would he do that? Because in the first century when someone insulted you, as I said, by slapping you at the back of their hand, the only thing left for them to do was to punch you. And when we live like that, we force the hand in the face of evil to reveal itself for what it actually is. Listen. When Jesus willfully went to the cross and he suffered and died in our place, he showed evil for what it actually was, didn't he? We see that on display in the cross. I want you to think about two people we read about in the story there for a minute. I want you to think about Judas and Pilate. Just to remind you again, Judas was one of the twelve disciples. And, and he, he kept track of the money. All right, And so when, it, when Jesus revealed to Judas and the other disciples that he wasn't there to start this new nation, he wasn't there to get power and authority, Judas said, I'm out. And he went and he gave Jesus up for money. When Judas saw that it wasn't about Jesus having power and authority as a nation, he said, I'm out. I'm not here for that. I want the power and authority. And I want you to think about Pilate for a minute. Pilate had the opportunity to to let Jesus go free, didn't he? Remember that? They brought brought Jesus to Pilate, and he, he was struggled internally. But when Pilate realized that if he let Jesus go free, that would not be good for his career, he said, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that. When Pilate realized if he acquitted Jesus, he would lose his position, he was out. When Judas realized that it wasn't about power and authority, then, then he was out. So what do we do with this? When we're wronged, when someone takes advantage of us, what do we do with this? Friends, when that happens to you, I want you to choose the way of Jesus instead. Because when we choose the way of Jesus in responding to provocation, we show where our true confidence is. And identity emanates from. What does this mean practically for us? Listen. As a follower of Jesus, you need to eliminate the phrase, I deserve from your vocabulary. You need to eliminate the phrase, I deserve from your vocabulary. Gosh, that whole Build-A-Bear thing was a mess, wasn't it? I mean... My goodness, I've never seen so many people get so frustrated and upset about something that was so ridiculous than that. Listen, if your mama never told you, I want to tell you right now, you don't deserve a -A Build-A-Bear. There's nothing in God's Word that says you get a -A Build-A-Bear. When a company out of the goodness or the marketing of their heart says, hey, we're doing this promotion... And we're going to provide these things for you, and you don't get there as early as somebody else, or they run out of stuff. That's not an offense to you. That's just it's just life. That's what happens when Chick Fil A decides to do Cow Appreciation Day, and you don't get there on time because you didn't manage your schedule effectively. That's not their fault. You don't deserve a chicken sandwich. Now, why, is, why do I say that? Why is that important? This is why. Listen, friend, 
If your unbelieving neighbor or the person you've been inviting to come with you to new cities, if the only thing they hear from you on social media is the venom you spew at businesses for what you deserve, it's no wonder they don't want to have any part of your life. How can you say that you're following the ways of Jesus if all the people hear from you is, oh, that ain't right, that business, they told me I get a Build-A-Bear and there's no Build-A-Bear left. I'm like, come on, man. You don't, you don't deserve a Build-A-Bear. As a follower of Jesus, you, sh- you know what you deserve, right? You deserve sin, death, hell, and the grave. But God in His great mercy provided a way of escape for you. Didn't He? Amen, glory. You don't, you don't deserve that. Listen. I asked you at the beginning what idols that you needed to deal with. And the first idol you need to deal with is entitlement. You're not entitled to a Build-A-Bear or a chicken sandwich. You're not entitled to anything. And you've got to deal with that. Again, next you need to make up your mind not to be offended anymore. Make up your mind not to be offended anymore. Some of you are offended right now. Wow. I, I can't believe you told me not to be offended. I got, I got a right to be offended. I'm American. That's all I do is be offended. Mercy, friend. Listen. If, if you would just choose to, to not be offended anymore, your life, life would change. And you know, you know how you do that? You, you learn to stop taking yourself seriously. Every day I write down, I'm going to take the work that I do seriously, but not myself seriously. If you don't have children, children will help you with that. All right? So a few weeks ago, probably more than a few weeks ago now, we're, we're riding in the van. We ride in the van a lot. Um, and we're driving, and we're just driving along, and out of nowhere, my son from, from the back, he's like, hey, Dad. I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, you stink. Like, that's, that's awesome, man. All right. You know, what are you, you going to do? What am I going to do when my son tells me, no, I don't, I don't stink, you stink, right? Yelling at the, the rearview mirror. It's ridiculous. Like, no. I just, you just got to laugh, right? You got to laugh. A few weeks ago, it's Father's Day. And man, it's so awesome to have kids on Father's Day, right? It's great. And my wife's great. She like leads the children to make things for me. And so she got this cool deal. And the kids made me keychains. Like they made me, each made me keychains. And the, all my girls made me awesome keychains. They said things like, Number one, dad, best dad ever, you're great, you know. Levi made me a keychain and it said, champion of stinking up the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even mad. I was impressed. I was like, that's, that's good. That's good. Listen, you got to learn to laugh at yourself. You got you to learn to not be offended anymore. So when, when someone comes to you and they say something to you, like they take a shot at you, what if, what if you just laughed instead? Wouldn't, wouldn't that change the way that you lived in your neighborhood or in your workplace? What if you just made up your mind not to be offended anymore? Listen, I'll tell you, confession, one part of that that's hard for me, when you decide not to be offended anymore, you, you get the freedom to be, to be wrong again. And that's hard for me. I like to be right. I, I, I like to be right. But to live like this, you have to give up the, the right to be right all the time. Instead, say, I don't like, maybe, what, what's going on here? Like, maybe I'm wrong about this. It gives you the freedom to do that, to say those things. Friends, listen. 
When you feel offended and you want not just retribution but retaliation, I want you to remember two things. As I said, I want you to remember that God loves justice more than you do. God loves justice more than you do. And I want you to remember that God's way of dealing with unjust actions is better than yours because ultimately God's justice finds completion in the cross of Jesus. And vengeance is His anyway. He says, I'm, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I, I will repay. And why do we glory in that? Because it gives us incredible hope for the things, the unjust things in life that don't seem like they'll ever find reconciliation in the sight of eternity. And so if you're here and you feel taken advantage of, I want you to go to God with your desire for justice. Ladies, if you're, you're here today and someone's taken advantage of you and they've hurt you physically, emotionally, spiritually, I want you to take your desire for justice to Jesus and trust that he, He'll deal with that. And the ultimate way He dealt with that for all of us it was on the cross. Because here's the truth. We were all perpetrators of unjust acts, aren't, weren't we? All of us. We all, we all offended a holy God, didn't we? And he's, the, he's really ultimately the only one who had a right to be offended by anything that we've done towards each other. But how did he deal with offense? When we offended God, how did he deal with it? He made it right by sending his son to live a sinless life and die a perfect sacrifice on the cross for my sins and your sins. And if that's how God desired to deal with offense, how should we deal with offense? In the same way that Jesus did. By submitting ourselves. By taking our offense to the Father instead. And knowing that, that He's the one who met out justice in the right way. We'll talk more about that in a second. But conversely, when someone's offended by you and wants restitution, when someone takes you to court and sues you, Jesus says, give it to Him. In order to do that, listen, as a follower of Jesus, you need to quit asking what's in it for me. Well, if I do, what, am I, what do I get out of that? What's in that for, for me? That's not an appropriate question for a follower of Jesus. You didn't see Jesus asking what's in it for me. Well, Father, if I go, you know, if I go to the cross, if I submit myself willingly to death, you know, where they, they torture me for hours on the cross, prior, they torture me for hours prior to going to the cross, and I carry my own cross up the hill, what's in that for me, Father? Nothing. The glory, my glory, God said. My glory. So what do we do with this? Friends, I want your desires to align with the desires of Jesus. We should desire that God would deal with other people the same way that He dealt with us. So when you want retribution, you want revenge against someone, you need to take that desire for revenge and retribution and take it to Jesus and pray that that God would deal with them the same way He dealt with you. Where do we see that on display in Scripture? Well, before Jesus died, He was standing outside of Jerusalem. And he was praying for the city. And what it said, he said, he, he was standing outside and he said, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you to myself as a mother hen does its chicks, but you wouldn't have me. You see, he was broken over the sin of the people. And in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that mourning was mourning over their own sin and mourning over the sin of other people. And so when other people sin against you, More than a desire for retribution, it should cause you to mourn for them. And ask the question, Oh God, what transpired in the life of that person that brought them to the place where they would sin towards me in this way? God, what what happened in this person's life that would bring them to the place where they would injure me in this way? Father, I pray that you would help them to see that the only way they deal with that hurt that caused them to sin this way is to run to you, Jesus. 
And I pray that I would respond to them. When they hurt me, I would respond to them the same way that you responded to me. That I would point them to you. That I would point them back to the reason that they were made. And realize that the joy that they think they feel or the sense of victory they feel by injuring me, the only way they find fulfillment of that is in relationship with you. Because listen to me, friends. Whenever we act out, whenever we pursue something that is outside of the way that God would have, it's only because there's some kind of hole inside of us that can only be filled with King Jesus. And everything we're doing is either a numbing from or a pleasuring to that thing that we only find in Jesus. Whether that's anger, revenge, hurt, whatever. That only finds completion in Jesus. We're going to wrap up here and land the plane, but I just, as we get ready to do that, I just want to ask you again, how do you respond when somebody hurts you? How are you responding when somebody hurts you? I want you to take that, that hurt that you feel and run to Jesus with it instead. Secondly, what are you making an idol out of? It's either entitlement or power in this passage. You feel like you're entitled, you deserve things. You start phrases, start sentences with I deserve. That's a good indication of where your idol of entitlement is finding rest. And finally, I want you to be reminded of how God handled your offense towards Him. He sent Jesus for you. Curtis and the others are going to come up and lead us in a time of, of response this morning. But as they do that, I just, what are our takeaways here? Well, in response to this, whenever you feel offended, whenever you feel like acting out, whenever you feel like you, you, you want to respond in a, in a manner that's greater than what happened to you, I just want you to take a second and to remember to breathe. Just take a breath and ask yourself, what kind of person do, would I have to be if I continue to respond in this way? Secondly, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember the one who went willingly and suffered. Listen, this isn't the point of this message this morning, but there's the reasons why we suffer are pretty straightforward, friends. When we suffer, it makes us long for eternity, a time when we won't suffer anymore. When we suffer, it gives us a platform of ministry because then we're able to walk next to someone who suffers in the same way that we do and say, listen, friend, I've traveled this road before, And why don't you come with me? Because we'll go see Jesus together about this. And secondly, and finally when we suffer, God allows suffering because when we do, we look like His Son when we suffer. We look like Jesus. And suffering is one of God's primary teaching tools to lead us into Christ's likeness. So when you suffer, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember Jesus. And finally this morning... However it is that God is speaking to you this morning, it's just time to respond today. Maybe you're here and you felt you've suffered unjustly because you're at work and you've been passed over for a promotion. And the person that got the job that you wanted, you know that they got it because they were unscrupulous. They weren't an ethical person and that's how they got that. I want you to take your desire for justice and take it to Jesus instead. I want you to remember that God sees you. He sees you in your suffering. He, he sees you in your trial. And that He, he loves justice more than, than you do. If you're here and you felt taken advantage of, I want you to take your desire for revenge to Jesus instead. And I want you to see that God sees you. And that He hurts with you. And that His, his desire for justice was met out at the cross. And my hope is that your desire for revenge would be that, they would, that God would deal with them the same way He dealt with you. And that that would move you towards compassion instead.
and wholeness in Him. And, and maybe this is spoken in an entirely different way. I don't know. But now's the time to respond. If you'd like to, if you need to come forward and, and simply pray, um, you're welcome to do that. If you need to seek out somebody else that invited you and, and asked them to pray with you to do that, if there's a way that I can pray with you or for you in any way, um, this is the time to do that. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and, and Curtis is going to lead us in a time of response today. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus, we pray today that we would take your words for us as truth. We thank you that you didn't leave us alone. That you showed us in your word how you want us to uh, deal with justice. Father, we acknowledge that we've been hurt. We acknowledge that there are times in life when we feel taken advantage of. And we pray that when we want revenge, that we would seek reconciliation with you first. 